Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie, Resistance's Futile Church House, and Nathan, Patience is a Virtue, Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Without further ado, let's engage. That was quite a nice one this time. Uh, Well well done, well done. That voice you hear, listeners, is our special guest uh, from Cool America. He's back again uh, for the third in our instalment of uh, of our episodes with him. It's the wonderful comedian, podcaster, and all round nice man, Todd A. Davis. Hi, Todd. How are you doing, everybody? Thanks so much. Given we're doing the second, given we're doing the second part of a two parter. (laughs) Uh, that we also did with Todd. It'd be very odd if he wasn't. <laughs> Just, you imagine how awkward we, that would be. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not returning because of what <laughs> he said last time. Yeah. <laughs> you know Unfortunately, we've we, had to sack Todd. We got, um, half, we got halfway through it and we retired to this Yankee, so just... Really kicked him to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> no, we brought Todd back because uh, he he needs to answer for the crimes of the first two episodes. Um, <laughs> you're on judgment, Todd. Now uh, <laughs> you're on trial, listeners. If you're uh, if, if if we sound a little more giddy than normal, uh, that is because before recording, Todd started talking to us about grain alcohol, uh, <laughs> and me and Maddie have uh, before the record drank. What, what, Maddie, have you had a bottle of mead? <laughs> Look, I've not had the whole bloody bottle. I've had about a third. I've had a, had a third of, of a bottle of mead, and I've uh, started drinking really cheap, uh, bad Irish whiskey uh, that I found in the bottom of a cupboard. So, uh, chin chin. <laughs> I've, I've had a cup of tea. <laughs> Nathan has drank a cup of tea. Nathan, uh, important question. Uh, what kind of tea is it? Was it Earl Grey hot? <laughs> uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. Controversially, for a TNG fan, don't actually like uh, Earl Grey. <laughs> well, Nathan has been fired from the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's, not good, but but it's not a good black tea, right? Like, because it's it's not. It's, it's nice with milk, though. Mm. Uh, yes, it's one of the it's one of the few um, like loosely. This is where we get into Nathan Thomas, tea nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, you should drink uh, Earl Grey with milk. You should drink. The last of a pot of lapsang with milk, okay. And, uh, because lapsang lapsang is one of the teas that really gets a lot stronger as it brews. So the first couple you don't <laughs> want milk with, and then you do want to start adding uh, milk as you get to like the last two. Assuming you get like four cups out of the average teapot, you want two, um, and assuming you've, you you brew it as you should. Um, Nathan, uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do I sound this boring when I'm talking about alcohol? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> follow follow yeah. Nathan Thomas for more great recipes. Yeah, oh, I would love a tea blog, but you know, <laughs> putting the tea in Thomas. I um, love that because I don't know. It was of quite this. cool. Yeah, I, I didn't really know. I, I I will like genuinely. What is quite fun is to go to a proper tea house and try a bunch of like because coffee nerds get all of the like wanky like oh you can never get good coffee anywhere and it's like. Yeah, that you try actually finding good tea and like <laughs> getting getting like different black teas. Because when you say because when you say you like tea to people, what they then provide you is shit green teas, which are just fruit infusions and are not <laughs> tea. 
This is like, here you go. I heard you like this thing that this is not. Have a gift. (laughs) This is genuinely the most angry Nathan's ever been on this podcast, and it's about tea. (laughs) I'm learning things that I never thought that I would learn. Every every one of these sentences, like, it's going way over my head, and I'm just nodding because I'm afraid that if I disagree, Nathan's going to destroy me. But I'm like, what? Sorry, there are different types of black tea. Sorry, green tea isn't real tea. What the fuck is he talking about? Well, some green teas are, but there's a lot of things that are called green and white teas that aren't tea. Uh, right, uh, I'm going to put a stop to this because unfortunately tea is well, irrelevant. Here's the, here's we're, the yeah, thing. We're, we're losing the American. Last, we're losing. No, yeah. Here's the thing. Last I, I week feel like... I suggested that we hold off on the three questions for the end of the two-parter and I don't think you all had gotten as up in arms and energetic <laughs> in this conversation about tea. This is, <laughs> this is, this, this I, is quite... From, from quite, Todd's I perspective... Mean, like, I, like, I've had a couple of friends say, oh, what's it like recording with the Brits? I'm like, it's fine. They just, we're talking about Star Trek. They have accents. That's about it. But this is yeah. definitely been like the <laughs> That's most interesting because that's the same thing we say about you. <laughs> yeah, that is what we say about <laughs> Yeah, he's just a nice guy. Shame about the accent. Um, <laughs> no, I love your accent, Todd. It's Likewise. great. But, um, yeah, no, we have started this podcast in the most British way mm. possible by having an argument yep. about tea. Um, <laughs> and what I like about it as well is that we all took it in turns like we were waiting in a queue to get our bit in for the <laughs> argument, which is also a very British thing to do. But... <laughs> As I said, tea is irrelevant, and uh, that is my way of segueing into the intro for this episode, because we are back looking at uh, part two of The Best of Both Worlds from Star Trek TNG. Uh, We did part one last week, um, and we are back again with part two. Now, uh, normally we would start by asking Todd to uh, talk about why he's chosen this episode, but he did that last week, so we're going to rush straight into Nathan describing the plot of part two of this episode, and then we will get into the nitty-gritty of it. So, Nathan, would you like to go ahead and describe the plot of the rest of both worlds, part two? I I don't know why I did that unnecessary like swivel in my chair, but let's uh, let's carry on. Um, After a recap of the previous episode, we see Geordi firing on the Borg and the Hutus, but the Borg ship... Uh, blasted with the full energy of Enterprise D's deflector dish is undamaged. Um, the Enterprise can't maintain it. Riker's forced to call a ceasefire. He has to shut down his warp engines now. The Cutis explains that Picard's knowledge and experience is part of us now. Resistance is hopeless. Number one. Uh, Riker begins to deliver log. The Borg ship resumes its course. Seen as Enterprise is completely powerless, there's no point assimilating it. The reactor is damaged, and the sh- as are the shields and navigational deflector is completely burned out. Eight hours are the fastest. Admiral Hansen tells Enterprise they're going to engage the Borg at Wolf 359. In less than 24 hours, they're going to hit that cube with everything they can. There's either they survive or we do, so there's no real hope for Picard. Riker, you're in command. Enterprise is your ship now. I wish the circumstances were different. On the assimilation table, Picard is becoming more and more Borg-like, with his skin being drained of cover, colour, and a single tear escaping his eye. Riker explains to Worf that they are fighting Picard's experience on top of Borg tech, and Shelby and Geordie are having difficulty restoring shield power. Shelby briefs Riker. It's slow work. Two to three hours. Riker tells Shelby that she did her job well on the cube. Um, She regrets it. Um, She... But Riker consoles her, and he notes that Shelby's as ambitious as ever, that they don't have to like each other to do stuff, and she is still somewhat similar to him. 
Data reports that the Borg have been engaged at Wolf 359, and Admiral Handsome states the fight does not go well. The withdrawal and regroup is apparently required, and he needs Enterprise. Riker's ship has uh, the ship warped to meet him once repairs are complete. He explains to Wolf and Data uh, that he considered them both for the first officer position, but it's not time for change. He needs people where Picard relied on them, and asks Shelby, for now, to continue as his first officer. Everyone explains the various ideas for combating the board. Graviton beams, nanites, the phaser adapters. Best we can slow them down. Riker says that he wishes Picard was here to give a speech. He'd like to hear it himself and he gives a good one in, in Picard's absence and dismisses them. Riker appears in the wedding room and speaks to the chair. He asks it, what would you do? At that moment, Guinan enters. Riker tries to dismiss her, but Guinan won't have it. She's used to having the ear of the captain. And she informs Riker that in 10 forward, everyone is convinced they are going to die. And uh, when a man's convinced he's going to die tomorrow, he's going to find a way to make sure that happens. Guinan says Riker is the only one who can turn this around. And to do that, he'll have to do something he doesn't want to do. Let go of Picard. Riker points out that he tried to kill Picard yesterday. Guinan says that Picard is still here. He's been taken away piece uh, by piece. And if, maybe if he'd be dying, it'd be easier. Riker says, Picard wrote the book on this ship. Guinan points out it's time to throw away that book. Um, the only way to sh save him is your chair now, Captain. The Enterprise appears at Wolf 359 at yellow alert. Several vessels but no life signs. Riker bears witness to a huge debris field. A graveyard of Federation ships. The Melbourne. Riker's offered command is dead in space. Riker decides to pursue the Borg and asks Shelby to prepare her plan to separate the saucer. Shelby reminds Riker that Picard was briefed on that plan. Riker is counting on that, and also he has a special mission for Mr. Wolf and Mr. Data. Soon, Riker is hailing Lacutus of Borg from his battle bridge. He wishes to end hostilities. Lacutus demands unconditional sur surrender. It is not likely that they are discussing terms. It's likely to be a deception. Come now, Locutus. Riker has never lied to Picard. You ought to implicitly trust him. Riker wants to meet to discuss terms. There are no terms. Disca disarm and escort us. Riker cuts off communication, and Data and Worf are to proceed to the location of the, co of the communication that they've traced, and he resumes talking to Locutus. Locutus warns Ly Riker, if you attempt to intervene, we will destroy you. Riker's response? Take your best shot. We are about to intervene. Shelby and Riker separate the Enterprise and open fire. The Borg focus on the Star Drive section. After all, the saucer's merely a diversion, right? Riker responds with standard maneuvers. It's all going as Riker planned it. Commander Shelby fires an antimatter spread. Data and Worf launch a shuttle. Screened by the antimatter. The Borg <laughs> failed to detect the shuttle. Until um, there is a, a moment where the Borg try and target it and they fly in unpowered. Data and Wolf beam from there onto the Borg ship and shoot up a few drones, wrestle Picard and kidnap him straight back, escaping in the shuttle. And Mr. O'Brien beams Wolf, Picard and Data back just in the nick of time. The saucer section is disabled, but the Borg don't attack, instead resuming course to Earth. Riker examines Locutus in sickbay and Dr. Crusher is worried. His DNA is being rewritten. Locutus informs Riker that retrieving one man was a mistake. The Borg had no concern for, for Locutus in particular. He will be ambassador for the Borg while he is here, but he will force unconditional surrender on Sector 001. 
Data analyzes subspace signals from Locutus to, uh, to the Borg and vice versa, the basis of the collective consciousness, blocking the link might be fatal to Picard. Riker wants to reach the man. Crusher reckons it could just be microsurgery at this stage, but she can't separate the man and the machine. Well, Data suggests if we can't reach the man, let's try reach the machine. Locutus antagonizes Worf with his narrow vision of Klingons, and they knock Locutus out and take him to Data's lab. In the meantime, the Borg have entered Sector 001. Plan 3 defences aren't likely to work. 27 minutes before the Borg reach Earth, and 48 minutes before Enterprise can intercept. Data begins to establish a neural link between himself and Picard, with Dr. Crusher and Chief O'Brien monitoring. Um, sir, when should I terminate this? No, I don't know. I've never done this before. The Borg are through the Mars defence per perimeter with ease, and the Enterprise is merely in the solar system. As Data proceeds with the final link, there is a dramatic change in Picard and Data. Data has access to the Borg signals. Troy begins to sense something. Data is looking at the various subcommands the Borg use to function. Locutus awakens and begins to interfere. Data grabs him and holds him in place, disconnecting his arm. There is a surge in Picard's brain activities. And it's not the Borg. Troy senses Picard. He grabs Data's arm. Contact is being made, and the Borg have halted their approach. They're worried. The Enterprise has two minutes to do something, anything. Picard is part of the collective consciousness. You can't disconnect him like this if... But maybe if one person jumps off a cliff, they all will. Data needs to plant a command. Something that will stop them. Something simple. The Borg turn on the Enterprise and Riker goes to battle stations. The Borg tracker beam locks on. Defense and power systems are too hard to access. Shields are failing and the Enterprise are unable to affect them with... Um, Weapons. Riker prepares a collision course. Yes, you heard me, Mr. Crusher. Collision course with that Borg ship. Prepare to go to warp. Picard cries out. Sleep. Sleep, Data. Data thinks this is not to do with Picard's exhaustion, but a suggestion. The Borg cut in the ship. Riker is on the verge of giving the order when Data asks for a standby. All stations, stand by. Get ready. The Enterprise hull is breached. Riker really can't stand by much longer, Mr. Data. The ship is about to be decompressed. And then the Borg stopped. Data has done it. He told the Borg to regenerate. They all went to sleep. There is almost no power. Riker wants Shelby to confirm they are asleep. Gladly, sir. And she does indeed find them asleep. But more than that, the malfunction will cause them to self-destruct in short order. Maybe we should disarm it. Dr. Crusher doesn't know what blowing that ship up will do to Picard, and Data also suggests that studying the Borg and trying to recover them might be worthwhile. No. Turns out, unlike what shall be accused him of, Riker can make the big calls. It's time to destroy that cube. The cube explodes. Picard staggers. But he survives. Troy asks Picard how he feels. Almost human, with a headache. Riker asks what he remembers. Bluntly says everything. Enterprise will be five or six weeks in repair, and Shelby requests permission to disembark. She's going to head up a task force to reconstruct the fleet, and Riker's quite happy in his current job, thank you. Picard dismisses both Riker and Shelby. He goes to drink his tea, then pauses. He takes a moment to stare out of his window, over Earth, and remember, like he will for many, many years to come. Thank you, Nathan. That, uh... That was a very good and detailed explanation of. I had a lot of fun writing that one. <laughs> yeah, I could tell, um, and it, it, yeah, you did it justice because there's a lot that happens in this episode, and it, it's... and there's a lot of. I wanted to really convey how 
well acted a lot of it is and a lot of like you know because obviously that moment I'm, I'm doing a bit of dramatic license at the end there but you, you you look at Picard staring out that window and you're like yeah what's going through your head um, yeah exactly yeah that um, scene was so sad yeah. when he just is, yeah. he's about to drink his cup of Earl Grey and then he just like stares into the distance and you're like, oh my fucking god, this man has and PTSD. Actually... Like, how, yeah. how is he back in the captain's chair? Like, is someone give him a hug? Yeah. Well, that's what the entire next episode's about. He goes to get a hug from his brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank god for that. He need like but... Bev should be in there, like stroking him between the the shoulder blades. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's just been through the most horrific yeah. trauma I can possibly imagine. And I think it's pretty brave. Because I've seen a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, because uh, I just happen to be watching an old like cartoon series I used to watch as a child, where the the season villain is a brainwashing like entity, mm. like an alien entity that brainwashes people, and no one can remember, and it's always like, oh well, they can't remember doing it, so they're forgiven. I actually like that Picard very explicitly can remember everything about yeah. being a Borg drone in you know perfect recollection. Yeah. Can remember what he did. And he breaks down crying about it in the next episode. Um, At the start of DS9, obviously, Cisco still blames him. And Picard is kind of like, yeah, well, I can remember doing that. So, you know, I can't argue with you. I can't really apologize. And obviously, in Picard, you get that moment of a PTSD attack when he steps on a cube for the first time in what must be years. well, um, to sorry to interrupt your flow there for a second, but it's so funny that this no? this happens. This is season three to season four, and mm. you know, Deep Space Nine doesn't jump off for a little while, quite a while after that. And no. Picard reestablishes that he is the man in the fleet. Um, he, you know, captain of the flagship, but this thing follows him. He was he was Locutus for. Less than 24 hours, but caused so much damage. And no matter what he has done, you see that hostility and that mistrust in Ben Sisko of like, sorry, you killed my wife. I don't care. I don't care that you're captain of the flagship. I don't care that you that you're that the buck stops with you. You're you're an asshole. He Sorry, <laughs> Cisco still needs to get over his wife dying. Though. Jay, just get in the fucking just... bin. I swear to God, every time you bring this up, you think you're just going to get away with it. No, I will never let you live this down. Stop well... criticizing and Ben then... Cisco for missing his dead wife. And then, like the other thing about it haunting Picard is obviously, like you said, it's twenty four hours gone. Mm. But every Borg, both in Picard and Hugh, when he first turns up in TNG and a bunch and like Seven and Picard, they all say, "Oh, you were You're the cutest." Like I knew, I know what you are. Yeah. Like even the Borg that were presumably not on that cube, not related, like yeah. they recognize him as yeah. that. Yeah, it's like what I imagine people at the Oscars were saying about Matthew McConaughey, like. <laughs> He turns up when he when he started doing good films, like when he was in Dallas Buyers mm. Club, and they were like, "Oh, you were you're that guy who was creepy and rubbish and was in all of those bad films." Like I remember you, and I'm still going to hold you responsible for those things, but I <laughs> respect what you're doing now, and you're, that you're you're trying to make amends by doing The Wolf of <laughs> Wall Street. To make amends. Yeah, I I mean, forget killing Cisco's wife, Picard. As Locutus slaughtered thousands of people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the moment is, when they drop out be... of warp and it's 
It's like in the Abrams film yeah. when they jump to warp the, and yeah, the whole was, well, fleet the, is just Ab- Abrams kind of is um is homaging this scene. Yeah. Mm. Um and like Very this noticeably. must be your first time actually seeing that scene, Maddie. Like yes, the I've never it's seen a really iconic mm. TNG film when they when they warp. I mean, this whole episode is really I- iconic because um it saves, you know. I, I was I kind of alluded to this on an episode the listeners will have heard um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, but we just recorded, um, where, like, this episode is not only an in-character Darkest Hour, it's kind of a Darkest Hour for the franchise, because mm. Final Frontier wasn't performing very well, TNG had done okay, but wasn't brilliant despite starting to find its mm. feet, and then suddenly this episode comes out and the cliffhanger and everything that happens here... Because it was just, it was rare to have a cliffhanger like this. Like nowadays, I think we just think of it as like, oh yeah, whatever. There's always a like season mystery or big mm. twist at the end of the season. It just yeah. happens. But um, well, now, this was the it, first was ever about... cliffhanger in Star Trek history. I yeah. think that we yeah. never, unless yeah. you count the two part encounter at Farpoint, but that that even then is not really a proper and cliffhanger. It... No, but it was over a summer, right? Like yeah. it was, yeah. it was, it was over a. The season ended um, June eighteenth, yeah. nineteen ninety, and then the part two was September twenty fourth. Yeah, yeah. So you you don't have eight, like, but you have a full on month. That's a good like press storm of that amount yeah. of time. Yeah, um, it's, it's well, so I, funny to me that well, you know the moment that everybody remembers from part one is dwarf fire, and as we just finished talking about uh, the part, the second part of this is so iconic yet. It actually kind of got a lot of flack from people of being not as good as part one. And I don't know if maybe they just Uh, over the summer, over the summer, they kind of built up part one in their head. I don't know that any any real conclusion would have been satisfying for those folks at the the time. It's like that bit in Sherlock where they finished. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. Oh, it, with where, yeah. when he jumped off where the he building. Jumps off the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're like, yeah. after, and then that was the end of a series. Right. And then when they brought it back, and look, I'm a massive Sherlock Holmes fan, but like when they brought it back, it yeah. was sort of like slightly disappointing that you'd never really find out what the real solution is. And, uh, and... I felt so vindicated when that was happening, Jake, because yeah. <laughs> everyone was speculating about it, and I'm like, I just don't think it's going to be satisfying. Like, I was like, yeah. I just. They were like, but how do you think he did it? And I was like, it's not going to be a satisfying explanation because it was written with, we don't have to explain why or how. Yes, exactly. And, and, and then and then I was like, and then I think no one would disagree with, like some people might say it's earlier, but no one would disagree with me. A marked appreciation in Sherlock as a TV series <laughs> follows that moment. Yeah, yeah, whereas, yeah. Whereas I don't think TNG has a disappointment. Like, I don't think it... It, it ever gets much, you know, like season three is where it finds its feet. Then season four onwards is where TNG is yeah. at its, if not its best, it is of a consistent mm. quality. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, this episode, I think of what gets me about it is that when they wrote the first part and the cliffhanger and they knew it was going to be, a three-month break between seasons before this second part came out. Mm. They they hadn't written the second part when they put the first part out, so they didn't know how they were going to resolve it. And they what? didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Oh so, my god! Yeah, yeah that's they what gets me. They could have written themselves into a corner. 
Well, Michael Piller, who wrote the first part, and he did write the second one as well, but with sort of input from other people. Um, he, as we discussed last week, he was kind of thinking about leaving Star Trek, and this was going to be his sort of leaving thing, and that's sort of why he uh, wrote the sort of Riker element into it about what, is he or is he not going to leave the the Enterprise and all that kind of thing. Um, and then when they were like, oh yeah, no, can you write the second part of this? He didn't really know what, what to do with it or how to resolve it because he hadn't really resolved it. The is it the internal struggle he was having with leaving the show, and he couldn't he couldn't really translate that into something for the characters either. So like he he really had no idea what he was going to do to. With the but second still, part, it comes out wow. like I, I. In general, I think I think in general, um, the second half of a two-parter is usually slightly worse than the first half because yeah. the first half can build to a yeah. to like the most interesting part of yeah, the story, of what, and then it's kind of always a come down from a lot there. of critics. Like, a lot of critics agree. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't think this is. I think that's the problem with this story structure, but it's still a good story structure to mm. use. And so, like, I think that's just the weakness you've got to accept. I mean, I the the one bit of the resolution of this episode that I'm always a little bit, like, funny about is that I think Cap, like, Riker should retain Captain at least as a rank. Mm. Maybe they still want, maybe he still wants to be First Officer and maybe the show goes on. But he has more than proven he's capable of that rank and command of a starship. And, you know, Spock in the TOS movies and um, Scotty both keep their positions with the rank of captain. So it's not like it's an unprecedented thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they could have you know, they could have like, given him not... the open the open fourth pip, you know, not just not the solid. Yeah, something just like a, just like a he should retain that uh, yeah. thing. And or I know or that, give like, him like uh, a little baby ship that he can be captain of as well, like you know, like put him in a little, like, like a little toy version of the ship, and be like, you can be captain of that ship. And my play school, like yeah, <laughs> like you do with like kids, right? You give, like, yeah, just, like I, I mean, give kids just... like a little steering wheel to play with in the car, so they <laughs> yeah. can feel like they're in charge. Nice. <laughs> That's what the battle bridge is, isn't it? That's why they have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I assume think that Riker they... gave up his command, like, and didn't want to be a captain at the end. That's how I assume that you would. Yeah, I don't that. think he wants to like retain a, com- but like he could retain the rank. He's just saved the world. Like yeah, true. he saved the federation. <laughs> he like it just feels like. But uh, yeah. technically, what his reward for that is a demotion because he's part of saving the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he also yeah, got yeah. Captain Picard back. Does, <laughs> like, um, do, I, I've wondered this recently, right? Um, do, do anyone does anyone in Starfleet get paid? Are they are no salary? Not really. Yeah, not but, really. They get like, they have latinum and stuff like yeah. that, and like so. I think there's a throwaway line. So, like in Deep Space Nine. Jake can't get there's like there's a episode where Jake is trying to get hold of something for his dad because he wants to give a present to his dad to stop stressing it so his dad stresses out less about the Dominion War it's all about like a you know this right. might be an innocent token useless gesture but you know it can mean something right. Right. but there's a line in that where he talks to Nog and he's like oh uh, it's being auctioned uh, at a latinum auction and Nog is like so just go buy it and he's like I'm a human I have no money and he's like 
borrow your dad's latinum allowance and it's like starfleet gives an allowance for dealing with those oh, cultures right oh okay but is, none is, of them is have... what's implied and some people have speculated that there's like you know the your, your allowance and privileges are slightly higher based on rank and seniority but not right. like not but like what about when they go back to earth and that how do they like buy a house they I don't, don't know, have Jimmy. houses because it's socialism. Well, I said they don't have house. house ownership. They they probably get granted a house and then when well, they die it goes back to the state and they Picard, grant it to the next Picard, person. Picard owns an entire The answer to this is don't think what? about it. Yeah. The reason Vineyard brought, were inherited. That's, that's his family. That's his family. That's because yeah. Picard votes Tory, okay, Jay? That's <laughs> why he's got Vineyard. <laughs> um but my my point was that, like, Riker could have like at least kept the the higher salary mm. that he would have been given when he was promoted, yeah. and then gone back to first. Like when you cover someone on on maternity leave, because then later she comes uh, back, and you're like, later they have the Pegasus incident, which obviously forms the backbone to the Enterprise finale for yeah. some reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but the. Uh, uh, but like that was basically written in as a because like Picard at the end of that episode says to Raiko, it's like you probably won't face charges, but this will go on your record and it'll probably hinder your ability to get a command for the foreseeable, especially as you covered this up. Mm-hmm. And then I think in universe time, it's like many years before he's offered a command again, and obviously he's at the point where he's being offered a command now. So they they later come up with a a. a thing that can besmirch his record in mm. the past. But right at this point, I, I agree. Like he, he needs the equivalent of keeping the higher salary, but yeah. not the because because yeah. one should thing at least this... give him like a bigger room or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like I would maybe love they to do. see I would love to see the Starfleet expenses scandal. You know like <laughs> and it was like the NP for Kensington South has claimed a duck mansion for his ducks that live in the moat. And then, yeah. like, that, oh, the, the, the way, MP Todd, for Lambeth North has, has claimed, like, a gold-plated toaster on expenses <laughs> and then had it shipped to their holiday home in France. Yeah, on Starfleet, it would be like, Ben Sisko has used his entire Latinum allowance to build a ball pit inside 10 forward <laughs> so that he can go down a slide and land in a pit of balls. <laughs> I would love that. Because we, we know that. Uh, canonically, there's a like a children's play area, like a crash or something oh, on the yes. Enterprise. Embezzlement to make the crash more awesome. I fully <laughs> yeah. support this. And I reckon it's all uh, been arranged by uh, Federation Bank. Like, yeah. on <laughs> if children can have soft play, why can't adults have soft play? Well, that they do. That's essentially that miss... what the holodeck is. Right. I miss soft play more than anything else that I miss from my childhood. Mm. That, okay, that's not entirely <laughs> true, but it's in the top three. <laughs> I want a big soft play area on the Enterprise. Oh. Do you have soft play in America, Tom? I, I imagine that's something like recess? Soft but, play is like... You know when you uh, go in McDonald's and they have like squishy oh, like squishy blocks for the toddlers yeah. and you like crawl through tunnels? That's soft oh, play. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. we do. Uh, it, well, we did for a long time and they progressed over the years. When I was little, most of it was made with wood and chains holding it together. Oh, and Jesus. then it became more plastic tunnels and, and yes. ball pits. 
uh, and foam yes. covered things as yes. as um, you know children were being injured and escalating <laughs> escalating, escalating lawsuits <laughs> from uh, yeah. from customers like against the these time, corporations. The play, the playgrounds by, changed for sure. Yeah, I think by the time you get to the twenty fourth century, they'll have put some kind <laughs> of. Uh, like magic space version of soft play in place where no children can get hurt or if they do get hurt someone just waves a magic red light around them and then they're yeah, fine again reduce, reduce um, the gravity in those sections so the kids just kind of no, oh my god that would be things. so good no matter what you do you can't stop the children from shitting in the ball pit <laughs> yeah it's never gonna happen it's apparently Always going to be piss and shit in the ball pit <laughs> was it was it on the podcast or was it my girlfriend who was telling me this about how apparently little kids wee in the ball pit all the time because oh, they yeah. can't they they can't differentiate it between like being in a normal swimming pool or a bath yep. like they're like oh well w- no one can see yep. our penis and balls so we're <laughs> going to wee now and that's how it works oh, yeah. in their mind which distresses me because when i was little i used to pick up the balls and like pretend they were apples oh, and no! so i, I probably sw- swallowed a load of children's wee in my lifetime oh, well God. see whenever i would go in the ball pits when i was a kid i always left my socks on you had there was a rule you had to take your shoes off but i always left my socks on and then yeah. my sock when i would get out i would notice that my socks were slightly wet and I couldn't figure out what the deal was so that may have been it (laughs) never put it together until now (laughs) oh I'm sorry to have broken this to you I have PTSD I have PTSD like Picard and Pike from these ball I was going to say do you think that's what the the cutus and the Borg were really doing because the Borg why did the Borg piss the Borg cube does look like a big soft play area it does on the inside just with metal instead of foam they're all like walking through tunnels and climbing up ladders and peeing in ball pits (laughs) yeah I I do Does think- Picard have a penis after this episode? Oh. <laughs> because, because the Borg don't need it, and I feel like they're the kind, like he wasn't under full assim- like they were still assimilating him, right? Like they hadn't got the full yeah, like but they clearly got that that area dealt with. Yes, yeah, so he right? was wearing like- some weird underpants when they kidnap him yes. back. Mm-hmm. The only it's like it's like budgie smugglers on one side and then boxers on the other. So I bet assimilation affects fertility. I won't <laughs> pretend that I wasn't like zeroed in to see if he had like a cheeky ball sack hanging out the one side. Yeah, um, I didn't quite visually detect anything. Um, but they don't actually take his hand off to put the the cake mixer on. So <laughs> yeah. maybe they just leave his penis on and attach like a Borg penis over the top. Maybe. Well, I think that's what they do, yeah. Where, it's sort like, of like a, uh, a kind of mechanical condom that they put over the top of <laughs> the penis. This is one thing where I kind of like the way the Borg progress over the series, because as technology gets better, their assimilation methods change. But it always feels to me like the Borg are, like... Because I also noticed in a few like discussions of this, like people were saying oh, the Borg still act slightly oddly in Best of Both Worlds. Like, you know, later Borg would still try and destroy the Enterprise or send a few drones over to assimilate it. Yeah. But, like, the Borg collective consciousness is constantly adapting and learning, mm. right? So, like, I always just took that as what they take from this is we can't let that ship... Like, we can't afford to ignore ships like yes. that because they can come back and fuck us up. And, like, this time, mm. you know... 
And, like, you know, I've seen people say, like, oh, Picard, like, de-assimilates real easy. And then, like, you've got Seven and various other people who who still have implants and stuff all over the face. And it's like, well, one, they've been there longer. And two, I think the Borg refined their assimilation process. Like, you know, Seven's definitely been there way longer. Yeah, so that's, and there's yeah, a limited... You know, and just... They only have Picard for, what, half an hour, an hour, before he emerges as Genna's Lacutus? Well, several hours. Okay, several <laughs> but, hours. Yeah. But it's not long enough to perform a lot of complicated operations. They only have yeah. time to chop the dick off, <laughs> slip the cob piece on, and then whack that metal thing with the little whizzy like whizzy um windmill on the top of his head and they just slam that <laughs> yeah. on the side of his place bish bash bosh and Bob's by like <laughs> first contact they're able to do the nanotubes quick assimilation thing but like they're not they're clearly not able to do that in this yes. like they just don't have the technology right. and they progress but also like you know enterprise e is a better ship than enterprise d like technology gets better in universe what, as well what do you think would have happened if they got to Earth and started assimilating people and then they met the six million dollar man? Do you think they would have been like Oh, this guy's they've sorted they've they've had the technology all along. They're doing much better than us. <laughs> they, they literally say it at the start of the six million dollar man. They're like, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. <laughs> this is why my headcanon is that the six million dollar man is actually a borg. Interesting. Nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that quote was from that, and I have I had absolutely no I've no idea what you're talking about. And I've just googled it now that I retrospectively know what you were talking about. Ha 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 ha! Yes, that's a very good joke. <laughs> you see, Maddie's Maddie's a nicer co-host than me because I didn't know what you were talking Lee about. Majors. It was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just let Lee that majors, go. Over my head. Lee exactly. Majors versus Lacutus. That's that's the uh, that's the Capcom Street Fighter. Oh. Thing that I want to see. Yes. Also, Terminator. Like I would like to nice. see like the T one thousand go up against the ball. Interesting. That yeah, be, that would be cool. That would watch. be cool. I mean, it would. It would be a much more. Uh, it can't be one on one that fight because the Borg like drones are pretty like yeah. shit. Yeah. 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 Like, like, like the the job of, you don't want to be the Borg at the front of the line, do you? Because <laughs> <laughs> the first two or three are all, their job is always to get shot a couple what? of times to, so that the rest that's of them can work out. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking that's the T one thousand. I mean, they would, it depends if the T one thousand is in the Borg cube. Yeah, he's going to make short work of. Everyone there, just because yeah. he's he's all stabbing weapons. It's all like s- stabbing, smashing, no phasers. Yeah, why don't Liquid they all just? Yeah, why don't they just stab all of the Borg? That's like, the question: is why didn't Worf? Why because, didn't Worf take I, his batlet? Because they're pretty fucking strong. Like, well, like Worf does start taking his batlet later, but like the, the the reason that's like that's only an option for like Klingons and androids and maybe Vulcans, like super. Yeah, strong mm. races like an average human is substantially weaker than an average Borg. They struggle right. with this is, like. Well, this is a point that I have uh, like an annoyance about TNG in general. Is why don't they just get Data to go and fight everyone? Because he's obviously <laughs> gonna win every single time because he can't die and. <laughs> He's super strong and super fast and super smart. Why don't they just get him to do everything for them? You know what? That's it. TNG's TNG's cancelled. I'm not watching it anymore. <laughs> you found the fatal flaw. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's such well, a good point. Data. I bet if they put if they put data on the go go juice like they did in the Naked Now, he would just <laughs> go through like do 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 like smash. I will point out they do have data fight a lot of things. Karate so. chopping Borg left Can right and centre. Horny data on main, just like <laughs> going through the Borg cube, like just killing people, knocking them out, then shagging the dead Borg corpses, and he then is, he like, is fully functional <laughs> and anatomically correct. We know he's. Do you, think he's he just, do you think he like he could detach his penis and use it as a separate weapon? Yeah, to yeah, beat them like to a death sort of, with. yeah, like a sort of cudgel kind of thing, like. <laughs> I imagine it like floating along beside hold, him. Like, hold, hold on, hold on. <laughs> He's an android. That thing could be like a spear, like a telescoping. We talked about this last oh, week. Yeah. It might have. Yeah. He could, you know, sharpen the end of it, and now he's got a javelin. <laughs> Why can't it windmill like the Borg like cake whisks that they have on their arms? I reckon Data <laughs> I, I, can I use his Dana... dick to fly. It like spins yeah, around say. in a circle like that. <laughs> fish on around the twist and then it just and then it like zooms through the sky and just like absolutely decimates the board cube. He's like Inspector Gadget, I think. He's got like, a, like a gadget penis that can do all sorts. Like the tip oh comes off and it's got a screwdriver in it. Can you imagine that? If he did a sort of like like that little thing that R2-D2's got in Star Wars where he like interfaces with things but it's just the data does it in. by fucking a wall and then like here's, and then that, the that lets him open doors. Uh, Mr. Data, uh, you are going to have to reconfigure yourself. <laughs> when he's Data's like, like, I need to open this door. Don't worry, I'll interface with it. Here, give me a second. Data gets Unzips the his flies. He's like, I'm going to plug into their electricity mains. Oh no, it's a European connection. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, right, Riker's like, Wait, you know, there's a door, there's a button. You just press the button and the door opens. And he's like, no, I need to do it this way. Riker. I need to do it this way and maintain eye contact with you at all times. <laughs> and, and, make, and make this noise. Uh. <laughs> All of this is making me realise that Picard was so relieved to have been kidnapped by the Borg. He just, yeah. he just needed to get away. When, when they when they surprise. stun him in the neck, that look on his face is a look of relief of like, oh, thank God, that's headcanon. That's my headcanon. Well, well, one of my headcanons is that um, the, the real reason that they had to abduct... Uh, Picard wasn't anything to do with getting him to become Locutus to like be the voice of the Borg or whatever. It's actually because we learn later that canonically the Borg Queen was on board that cube. Mm. Uh, my theory is that she just had a bit of a thing for Picard and sh so she got them to kidnap him so that her and Picard. I don't think ever. that's a headcanon. That's basically what she <laughs> says. <laughs> what, that she, she hired, that she got Picard kidnapped so that she could bang him. Yeah, and then... that's what she yeah. says in that's that. That's what she says. Watch the scene between them in first contact again, Jake. And Jake tell was me that's too not busy slathering over her slimy bog titties to notice yeah. like what was coming out of her mouth. Okay, listen to the scene. Don't watch it. You might you might <laughs> learn something. Um, I think it actually that's... makes it better. I know when we watched first contact, we said that some people disapproved of the idea of the Borg introducing the Borg queen but i think in hindsight it makes a lot more sense because in my mind i'm like why have they just kidnapped this random french man to make him the voice of all of the borg i mean like <laughs> what, what why would you why it doesn't i understand that he's the first person they came across 
But that seems to be the only, what, just because he was there? Well, I also think another explanation for it is the Vogue know, they know of Picard and the Enterprise. They know it's the flagship, because they've obviously downloaded a bunch of stuff from its computer in that first episode. Mm. So I think they're also targeting Picard for his knowledge and experience. He's they they need to assimilate at least one person to aid their assault because they're like, oh, these people might be, you know, th- these people have a certain capacity for making a bullshit to defeat well, their enemies. <laughs> so we need someone who is good at making a bullshit. Well, you know, knowing that the Borg are a hive mind and Picard is such a good leader. Perhaps his leadership skills combined with the artistry uh, in his subconscious uh, from wine country combined combined with his love of archaeology and his knowledge of, you know, ancient civilizations that that alone is such a treasure trove of information for the board. I think that's I think that's Mm. that definitely sets him apart from most other high-ranking Starfleet officers, if not most of Starfleet altogether. There's got to be a reason she picked him over Riker, though. I think she just fancied him more. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think this is canonical proof that Picard's penis is bigger than Riker's. Well, I want to segue into discussing Riker, actually. So okay. now seems like a good time, because one of the things I wanted to talk about in this whole thing is I love the whole sequence with the crew getting Picard back, and I've realised how much I love Riker in command of things. Right? Like I think I've said this before, but Riker commanding a ship in a battle is like something that just happens often enough that you can get excited and enjoy it, but not so often that um, that it's not exciting. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, and and just like I love the whole him being in command. I love his strategy like he, you can see him when he says to shelby prepare your plan and it's like captain because he's just had that talk from guinan and he's like let picard go and he's kind of like no i don't think that's the right thing to do and then he's kind of hits on him that that's that's the opposite of what he's going to do like he 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 and he like orders shelby and she's like he was briefed on that plan and it's like yes i know and then like there's just some nice touches like especially with the way wesley's responding like, obviously, he hasn't fully explained his plan to everyone, mm. um, but they're all, all the key pieces are in sync all the way through, and that's really fun to watch, you know, like Data going, departing Enterprise in exactly three minutes, <laughs> and it's just, like, all coordinated to the to the minute, but then also, like, I love the little, like, trick of, you know, obviously, what Riker is wanting to do is draw Picard's attention and make Locutus think... Riker can't surprise him. Mm, mm-hmm. So he stalls him a little bit and then when they're having that fight, he's telling Wesley to input just standard maneuvers that are in the shit, you know, it's like yeah. evasive pattern Riker Alpha and 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 Wesley is just like kind of like, okay, <laughs> Riker Alpha confirmed. I'm not sure this is what <laughs> what's gonna win the day, boss. Yeah. <laughs> All right, use Riker beta. And he's like, Riker beta confirmed, I guess. <laughs> but like I just Oh, I could watch that sequence over and over. It is so, like, good. And he's... And, like, his badass moment of just being like, um, if you attempt to intervene, we will destroy you. And he's just like, give it your best shot. We're about yeah. to intervene. It's just like, I'm ready, and fuck you, I'm going to win. Well, <laughs> like, he's, he's, a, he's a poker player. 
They set yeah. that up. They set that. They definitely set it up in part one, but I think they even establish it earlier in the series of like, you know, Riker, well, the, Riker's the, got the, some. Riker's got some yeah. very Kirk-like tendencies of like a bit of a gambler, and he's a little, he, you know. And like um, in the episode where they do the war games, which is another yes. one of my favorites because you see a lot of Riker in command. You get data. Like there's a moment where like because they're doing a war game where. Uh, Riker's got to use an old ship to do a simulated battle against mm-hmm. the Enterprise. And Data's serving as Picard's temporary number one for this simulation. And, you know, they're talking about all, you know, that Data's analysis of Riker as a commander. And he goes, um, well, uh, Riker only resorts to conventional tactics um, like it's some like ridiculously low number like, <laughs> percent of the time. And he's like, and then Data's like, but he 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 has the guile to know that we know that, and knowing that he does, and he gets like stuck in the loop. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and 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 Riker does a bunch of like you know Riker never fights you conventionally. Mm. He's he, uh, mm. which is why I love just from a like character and like it's just the kind of details that I I really uh, really excite the Star Trek nerd in me. Just watching <laughs> Riker being like. Yeah, he's only using standard stratagems because it's all a ruse. It's all a subterfuge to cover what he's doing with everything else. He's using a pre-prepared plan just to back yeah. you. Can so we talk did about... they just did they literally like separate the saucer just to yeah. confuse them to yeah. make them watch the yeah, saucer instead in of watching the... War for well, to make them watch the Stark? So the way the way it worked was in the previous episode, part one. Commander Shelby, that plan that she took yes. to Picard was a suggestion to use the saucer as a decoy. Yeah. Basically, and be like, all of our power will be concentrated in the star drive. Yeah. But giving them two targets and making it a decoy, um, they'll they'll fire at the saucer section and that will give the star drive opportunity to do stuff. Yeah. So what Riker banks on is the cutest thinking they're doing that plan. But all of the oh. the shuttle is launching from the saucer section. Oh. The antimatter spread launches. That's so so, so by, the, by the time Locutus pays attention to the saucer section, because he's like, I know that's the decoy. I'm attacking yeah. where you are. Um, by the time Locutus is paying attention to that saucer section, Riker's already got everyone in the place he wants. That's them. awesome. Yeah. Yes, Riker. Yeah. Yes. Such a good battle commander. It, it, he is a good battle commander, but can we talk about how uncreative he is with the names of his maneuvers. Because right? <laughs> all of them are like that. It's just Riker Beta, Riker Alpha, Riker fucking Steven. Right? Like it's it, it's the most like, No, Riker fucking Steven is what he did after that uh, after this when he picked up a nice ensign in, in Temple. <laughs> I want to start by throwing your leg up or do, do, do you, do you yeah, throw yeah. your leg up or do you throw your leg over like and You get your leg over yeah, yeah, okay. and that's Riker Alf, Riker fucking Steven. <laughs> Riker. We, we have done this on Red Shirts before. We have discussed how Riker maneuver like Gamma is, nice. is when he gets his leg over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, (laughs) I I, I do think that that scene is excellent and like it's one of those one of those bits of Star Trek that I enjoy because it reminds me of like old fashioned we've talked about on the podcast before about my fondness for kind of old uh, Cold War spy movies and things Um, and like and, I, and like John le Carre type books and stuff yeah. like that and this this is sort of has that vibe it reminds me of like a um, 
like uh, some, something like the hunt for TNG red october fight, or something yeah tng fighting's very na- like naval submarine yeah. oh very commander, much right? yeah like which yeah like the hunt for red october is what it reminded me of and like mm. that kind of thing which i really love and like don't get me wrong i like star wars as well but like the the fight scenes in that are often more like a kind of war movie like mm. like sort the of battle dog- of britain yeah right? exactly like, it's like like fighters. spitfire dog fights things like that which is <laughs> cool in its own way but it's it, it it's not and it's dramatic in a different way whereas like i think the it's way more that they stately, do it. stately in Star Trek when the ships yes. are like coming around broadside, like very yes. slowly, mm. yeah, very it's... slowly, reloading the torpedoes very slowly, very slowly. Yeah, it's slowly. kind of like watching like Hornblower or something yes. like that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I like that sometimes in the films, like Nemesis, not generally a good film, but the fight scene in that is is fun because it progresses and it's a long, very long version of that with like mm. you know multiple stages to the battle which you don't get to see that often mm. but yeah this is this is just a good enough encounter with the with the borg to to be satisfying yes and like you know obviously star trek's not always about fighting and stuff but it, it, it it's it's fun and i like Riker, and, and like you know Riker tends to be the person that, that that's in that does that mm. right like quite often they find a way to get picard i mean picard's a competent battlefield commander in his own right but like Riker is like Riker's got mm. a bit of dramatic flair hasn't he um yeah and even when Picard's in command Riker tends to be the person like like because of how they run the ship there's like nearly always like him calling for a damage report and yes. him calling like firing orders while Picard is giving he's um, he's, like, the, he's really he's the XO that's his yeah that's yeah. his position absolutely yeah. I, yeah. I think that he and Shelby made a wicked team as well. Mm. I really yeah. like that. I mean, it was obviously going that way that they would then be forced to work mm. together and have to overcome the sort of one-sided vendetta that they had. But I thought they worked really, really well together. And once she gets randomly promoted to first officer, which, you know, was totally the right thing to do, um, she really, like, settles in. And when yeah, it, I, I did mention role. in the first episode we, that, that I thought she se- seemed to be kind of taking a little bit too much personal pleasure, like, career gratification in some of the things that were going wrong. Mm-hmm. In this episode, that's totally out of the window. It's all professionalism. Like, how can we work together to defeat the board right. really effectively? And she unquestioningly takes his takes his orders but also like gives him like gives him that feedback when she's like Riker like may I remind you that Picard's gonna know about this maneuver and he's like yes I'm counting on that and they kind Mm. of bounce off each other and like earlier than that I really I thought it was a nice touch to just kind of show that transition when they have the scene like you show that she's still still an ambitious careerist person but she knows she almost knows she deserves it right like because they have that scene in engineering and just before they have that thing where like Riker is like I need you to continue keeping me on the toes and she just kind of cheekily and I yeah, think it's like it's a totally appropriate moment of just going that that is the job of the first officer so. yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like I still you haven't made this decision yet but I want to let you know I'm still putting my hat in this <laughs> ring like you know um but there's the the moment before that I think really signals Shelby is still getting on with the crew and still intending to work with Riker and the Enterprise crew is when she is working with Geordi, she comes down and reports to Riker and she says, I agree with Geordi, it'll take two or three hours. It's like, I've been working on this, I've, I've, co- mm. I've got the situation down here 
and you know me and him are are coordinating don't worry about it go back to the bridge and get the admiral's report like yeah that's the subtext of Mm. that to me um can we talk about how because i'm i'm cautious of the time and i don't want us to overrun too badly but uh the Mm. um the 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 finale of this the sort of the bit that how they eventually defeat the borg um is uh like when you say it out loud it sounds a little bit silly they send them to sleep but i like i really bees, like bees yeah. just wafting well like, some yes exactly and that's what the hive. borg are obviously it's just but, a um, big like vision a big vision of data like singing like what's that lullaby good night good night and all the borgs are drifting off to sleep <laughs> and what i really like about it is that they've spend the last few episodes when the Borg have been in, so like the the episode before this one and then um, Q Who when they were intru- in, in, uh, introduced and, and they, they set them up as being this villain that's unbeatable uh, they're like completely un- indestructible and you can't get rid of them And but the, they're eventually defeated through like an Achilles heel that they have rather than like just through brute force, which I think mm. it could, it would have been very easy for them to go, oh yeah, well, we'll find a way that they can, that the, the, the crew of the Enterprise can build a disruptor ray that does a particular thing that destroys the, the thing, but they don't. They manage to defeat, they're almost defeated by themselves in a way, the, the yeah. Borg, which I think it's a really good way of not undermining them as characters so that when, when the Borg come back later, you're like, okay, well, they only just got away with saving themselves and last that's time. that's not a thing... It, it, I think it's very important that they establish Locutus... Well, Picard breaks through the Locutus mm. and and makes a personal connection with Data, which enables Data to do it. This isn't a trick that's going to work twice. It's not like, ah, now we've got the key to defeat yeah, the exactly, Borg. Yeah. Like, you know, that's why ships like the Akira class and the Defiant class get built, you know... Because a lot of people have said Wolf 359 is a big wake-up call to the Federation. It kind of justifies... Some people have said, you know, it justifies Q's mm. warning about the Borg. is like, you know, you're not actually ready for this. Um, and after this point, you know, in Voyager and DS9, you see a more militarized stuff, like a mm. Starfleet that is not, you know making starships that are basically flying hotels with children on board. <laughs> right, yeah. And decent armament. Yeah, yeah. Like, the they're making ships pit. that do, you know, and but they're not Captain, making... We've, gen- we've only got gen- room for the torpedo bay or the ball pit. <laughs> the torpedoes are out, the ball pit's staying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they they start making specialised ships as well, which is why, you know, Voyage is a research vessel. Well, it seems, it seems like they, they that would have, you know, sort of greenlit I imagine after Wolf 359, it probably greenlit a lot of projects going on in Section 31. Oh, God, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Good point, yeah. Todd. <sighs> Fucking Section 31. Well, and speak, <laughs> speaking you know, I, I want to mention one more thing about Shelby, because um, I know we're pressed for time, but I just wanted yeah. to say, I, I feel like it was a real missed opportunity for them to have her come back in Picard as someone working on the artifact. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a really cool... I mean, don't get me wrong, they had Q, and they brought back Seven, and that's wonderful. But it kind of would have been nice to see that transition of, like, she spent the rest of her career working with, uh, you know, from the aftermath of Wolf 359, like, and she wound mm-hmm. up on the artifact. Or maybe they'll get into that in Season 2, I don't know. That would be cool, I would I like agree. to see that. 
I think she was a great yeah. character and it, it would just be good to see her where like later on. Maybe she could be like the shouty admiral that yells at the Oh, yes. <laughs> that would be great, yeah. Oh, we need some more good shouty admirals. Um, well, that's why I like um, I, I like that later on they introduce Admiral uh, Necheyev, who's mm. like the admiral that... Because like all the admirals up to her are always like, Oh, well, I'm some, you know, because Admiral Hansen is this. It's like, I fucking, I saw Picard run his freshman run. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw. Like, all the patterns are like, I have my personal friends of Jean Luc. Admiral Necheyev is like, no, I'm the Admiral in charge of Starfleet security. Yeah. <laughs> no matter the fact that you are the captain of the flagship, you are merely a captain and you will do the orders I say. <laughs> and, like, quite often she has the, the, the job of giving him orders he knows he's not going to be too happy about. <laughs> but, you know, like, she doesn't give him, she's not evil, like, but she gives him, like, orders that are like, you know, now you're going to have to go patrol the Romulan neutral zone mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. over your ship to this guy while you do a covert op against the Cardassians. And, God is like, do I have to do that? Like, <laughs> could, could, could Captain Captain Jones from like, no, that's the, okay. Well, fine. that's what I like about the um uh, about the Cerritos in uh, Lower Decks is kind of like they, yeah. they created that ship as a sort of as to prove that there is a like a kind a of boring. a boring bit of uh, of Starfleet that get given the shit jobs. To oh do. yeah, second contact. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And seen as we're talking about Cerritos and the Borg, just that shout out the opening title again for the. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh, um, look, I really I, like um, the f- the way that um, Picard displayed emotion in this episode i know we touched on it right at the beginning but mm. when he cries when he's <sighs> in getting assimilated i really <sighs> felt that yeah. and yeah. i found it maybe a bit odd that people around him didn't seem to have the same emotional reactions that i would have thought that they would i understand why will was carrying himself with this massive gravitas because he's just had to take on the burden of captain so like He's tr- he's thinking about the destruction of the world. He's trying to be super professional, but like yeah. they've all just lost their captain. Like Bev's lost like the man she's in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I-, I would like come on, you you like shed a tear. Hello, yeah. you know, like when he comes back, that they, they never thought they'd get anyone back for the Borg, and then they're all just kind of like, oh, welcome back. Bev's like, oh, we'll get you down to medbay, Captain. And I'm like, give the man a fucking snog. <laughs> Like, he deserves it. Hug him. Why aren't you crying? Why aren't you, like, jumping him down? Like, woo, Captain's back. I didn't... All the, like, emotions were so understated. I found that really bizarre. But I always thought that was because of a sort of shock, Mm. right? Like, because they they go from this Federation, our planet, and our ship are fucked Mm. to victory in two minutes. Okay. And that... That is the moment Picard comes round. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe just um, obviously emotions are irrelevant. This <laughs> whole I always, I always just took it as like a shocked silence. But yeah, you made this. Point. That's true. I hadn't thought of it as being like shock. So mm. Todd's got a point. Well, no, I was just gonna say I, this. This two-parter and family. The next episode that really could have been stretched into half the season, if not a full season. Because I mean, there's. So much going on there and the emotional beats that Maddie was talking about, it made me think I really, yeah, it would have been nice to see uh, Bev react to Picard kind of the way Pepper does when Tony Stark is 
just been rescued from mm. the cave mm. of she's she's yeah. got her shit together but you can see tears in her eyes of like oh yeah. my god thank yeah. god he's here um yeah yeah it would have been kind of nice to have that moment yeah i mean she's a doctor and she's trying to keep it all you know pressed down and you know do her job and everything but like the man stood beside you when your husband died he's kind of the surrogate father <laughs> to your son like a little emotion yeah. would be nice <laughs> Yeah, and not even just Bev. I mean, I mean, literally everyone Everybody, there. I'm like Riker. Yeah. I would have given him if I was Riker. I would have given Picard a hug. Yeah. Like if and even Data. Yeah. I, yeah. I can imagine him, you but, know, wanting to to do that, and like especially um, Troy, because again, she's actually good at her job in this episode. So well done, <laughs> Troy. I know that's hard for her, but she, you know, she's just been feeling all of his emotions, feeling him coming back. She must be feeling like all of his pain in his in in that mm, moment yeah it must be completely overwhelming i i just may i i know they're on the this the flagship of the more militarized end of the federation so they're kind of all being these professional soldiers but look like i work in a high trauma crisis heavy job and mm -hmm. people are hugging and crying and screaming all over the show oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. oh, yeah. and like but imagine how hard it would be for them to cry and get emotional if they were all wearing a fez. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us into our important questions. Uh, because uh, we're, we're, we've sadly run out of time, and I think there's a lot more that we could say, so oh, we yeah. might possibly do a, a, a catch-up on another episode on this at a different time. But uh, we will need to answer our important questions for this week which are as ever the first one is who in this episode is most likely or would we most like to see wearing a fez um i know it's difficult because we asked this question last week as well and i think the answer is still going to be the cutest of pork but oh, we have, have we got any other? no 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 no. no 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 it's this is this is where shelby kind of uh i feel like she gets into the nitty-gritty and she's kind of been promoted to first officer and i feel like she's gonna walk around He's going to walk around with the fez, like just a big plume of peacock feathers of just like, yeah, yeah. you guys, uh, yeah, you guys like, noticed the third pip, right? And this, yeah. and this fez. <laughs> you see, yeah, she just walks in like, kind of like, just sort of. That, that <sighs> fez is her Borg cock. It's just, but it's just right, it's just right on her head. Yes, excellent. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Any, any other cannon, suggestions? Locutus has a tiny fez on his penis. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. They insert the cake whisk on the arm and the fez and the on tiny the fez, cock. A little penis hat. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, I'm happy with that. Okay, second question is the Klim question. A Klim is a space Karen, so who in this episode is most likely to want to speak to the manager? I, see, I feel like... I. I feel like this is Shelby again, but but now she's but now she's the Karen who got who's you know what you've just complained to the manager you're hired and now she now yeah. she's in charge yeah so now she's a Karen in charge and it's oh that's just the worst oh. yeah she's like it's it's like if when. It's like if in Pretty Woman, when Julia Roberts goes in and says, like, you made a huge mistake. Like, if they went, yeah, you know, we did, but we're going to rectify that by making you see. Exactly! Like, That's it! Yeah. <laughs> Arguably, Riker, though, does the ultimate Karen move of kidnapping. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want my Picard. And if I can't have him, nobody can. Or you could There's not a lot of real Karen energy in this. No, no, you could you could argue that maybe Data is a bit of a Karen because he like he actively 
hacks into the manager and, <laughs> oh, yes. and forces the manager to do something oh, about something. That so, is a Karen like, move. You are going to do what I say. I'm going to send you all to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. And it carries on from last week that Shelby has the biggest Karen energy of anyone in this episode. But it, it is lesser in this episode than it was last week. Uh, and that leaves us with our final important question, which is, as ever... Who in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own cock? Um, I mean... Oh, that, that would be a command to insert into the subcontinue. Yeah, I think that's thing. why Picard sheds a tear, is he realises he's going to be able to do that from now on. That's the, that's the <laughs> silver lining of being assimilated. Yeah. It's but all he has to do is joy, take the little... Yeah, all he has to do is take the little fez off and pop it in his mouth, and then, like... <laughs> It we want out. to improve the quality of life just, for all. Just, just, <laughs> roll, just roll it around in your cheek like a gumball. Just no more. Yeah. No, no. Oh, there Jesus. we go. The, uh, oh, God. Yeah, I, I like that. That's my headcanon. That they didn't like when Data says that he made them all go to sleep. That's like a euphemism. What he actually did was got them all so involved in sucking their own cock that they couldn't look after the ship anymore and, and then the ship exploded. exploded listen if you could you know you would you'd get nothing done yeah, yeah bills yeah, would go absolutely. unpaid yeah why do you think i'm trying to wrap this podcast up so quickly <laughs> nice. on, on that note we we probably should end but Todd, this is our, our third episode. With it's been so nice having you on the oh, show, man. This has been so you're, much fun, you guys. Oh. You're so lovely. And <laughs> look, we've um, uh, li- listeners of Red Shirts. Uh, I know we will get the details of it in a minute. But Todd's got a podcast that me, Maddie, and Nathan have all been on. Um, it's called Computer Resume Podcast, and it's great. The um, as we record this, the first episode with me went out this week, and it was really yes. good, and I really enjoyed it. So definitely go and check out those episodes, and then the backlog where Todd is watching all of he's doing the thankless task of watching all of star trek Whoa. in order chronologically yeah. uh, which means you have to start with the worst star trek uh, and go go through all of uh, all of enterprise before you get yeah. to anything yeah um, and and my list but, is going to get longer because of strange new world so yes, oh of course you you oh shit able to get on to like yeah, yeah like tng but actually suddenly five new series have popped up in between I, that's what I was, that's what I'm saying. Like, as soon as we finish Discovery season two, it's going to be years before I get to the point in the podcast <laughs> where Burnham bursts through the sky and is like, "Scan for life forms, life forms detected." <laughs> <laughs> so, Todd, do you want to let everyone know where they can find the podcast, what what they should search, where they can find yes. you, where they can follow you on social media? Yes, my podcast, the Computer Resume podcast, covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old can be found uh, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and many other places. You can reach out to us on the socials at Computer Resume. I'm also on a movie history podcast called Cinema Shock. That can be reached at cinema underscore shock or cinemashock.net. And uh, you can find me personally and annoy me and look at pictures of my dog and uh, comic book things and what I had for breakfast at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. Excellent. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for being here oh. as well. As ever, you can follow Red Shirts Cast on social media as well, at Red Shirts Cast, or send us an email if you've got an episode of Star Trek you think we should look at, or if you just want to start an argument with us or whatever, I don't really mind. Just I just want to hear from you, to be honest. Send um, memes. Send, send, memes. send memes. Oh, yes. Or if you've send got... send fan fiction. That's you can what do... we want. Exactly. You can do that via email, redshirtscast at gmail.com, or send us a, uh, a, a private message on the Instagram. Slide into lovely... the DMs on the Insta. We... We got a lovely Instagram message from a listener that came in uh, earlier this year, and we only just saw it today, and it really made our uh, our Aww. weeks hearing that uh, that that person. So was, thank you, Debbie. So nice. Thank you for your lovely message. De- Debbie, Indeed, come you, find Debbie. me. I want. I want a. Lo- I want yes. a lovely Debbie, message. Go check out Computer Resume Podcast. <laughs> but with that. Uh, all that's left to say is thank you again, Todd A. Davis, for joining thank us. You. Uh, thank you to my co-hosts, Maddie and Nathan. Uh, I've been Jake Donaldson, and uh, you uh, can catch up with us again next week, where I don't know what we'll be looking at, but I'm sure it'll be exciting. Uh, so live long and prosper, and goodbye. 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 The border they are, the harder they fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs>